So I have the privilege today to introduce a, a very special guest. Uh, this man, he has been a pastor for over 48 years, uh, several different churches. He was the pastor at Eastside Foursquare, if you know that one, up north uh, for over 15 years. He is a professor at multiple universities, including Northwest and Life Pacific. And um, the list goes on for who he is, but more than anything for me, I, I love to be able to call him my friend, and we're trying to engage in that relationship a little more. In fact, we ate the soup, salad, and breadsticks at Olive Garden a couple months ago. And uh, how can you not be friends after eating some amazing Olive Garden? So would you welcome with me Jim Hayford to the stage. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Great. So we have a new um, device here today. This is kind of exciting. And uh, nowadays when I'm speaking to modern congregations, I don't generally ask for people to open their Bibles. I ask you to open your device at this time. So maybe you would like to do that. You have a phone or maybe you're actually packing a Bible. That would be neat. Uh, let's open that to John, the Gospel of John, and the 16th chapter. And we're going to begin an adventure in the Word of God together today. I'm very happy to be here. You don't know who I am, most of you, which is fine. You know, it's probably better that way, actually. But uh, I appreciate the invitation. Most of all, I appreciate the trust, Pastor, that you would put in me to allow me the opportunity to speak into the lives of these precious people here today. And as Dan was saying, this has grown out of a conversation that we've begun, uh, kind of based on something that I was feeling. One of the classes that I teach at a seminary level is called the Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. And as a pastor for all of these years, that my wife and I were doing that, we, we had as our kind of our motto, I guess you'd say, our guideline as we uh, uh, entered into ministry, my word, back in 1966. How many of you were alive in 1966? That's when, when we entered the ministry. And the motto was to contend for the authentic. I was very hungry for the authentic manifestation of the presence and power of God in my life and in the lives of the people that we served. And uh, I can't exactly explain that hunger at that young point in my life, but I know that it existed. And I knew that I'd seen a lot of bogus things that people called the power of God and the presence of God. But I wasn't ready to throw the baby out with a wash, even though I was a little disturbed with some of the things that had gone on in the name of Jesus. Some of you may have had this kind of experience. I don't want to start out on a negative note, but I think that was part of my motivation is there's got to be something to this that, that I can live with that's just kind of like more normal. I, I just want to be like normal. And you look like a group of normal people. You know, you all have the right shaped and sized heads here. Everybody's kind of looking about right. And so, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm among friends here today. And uh, just my, so my motto was to contend. Have you ever contended for anything? You know, when you just insist that this is something worth giving yourself to. And 
there's a number of things in my life that I felt that way about, but one of them was to contend for a, a better understanding, an experiential understanding of what exactly it means that, that I heard people say all of my life that they were feeling or sensing the presence of God. And that kind of freaked me out about half the time when people would say things like that. I just kind of started looking around like, what, what were they feeling? Because I wasn't feeling anything. And do you understand what I'm trying to say? And just people just doing that. And so I said, I, I want to figure that out. And uh, over the years, pastoring, uh, I don't know that we got it all figured out, but I learned a lot of things. And then I began to have this opportunity um, later in my life to get onto these uh, campuses and to talk to young men and women about this very thing as they were preparing themselves to, for leadership in the body of Christ. And out of that, uh, I had a lot of conversations, particularly with young leaders like your pastor. See, I'm old, okay, in case you didn't notice. But I'm still growing hair, in case you were wondering. It's, uh, it's just coming out my ears now, mainly, but, and a little bit out of my nose. But I, I'm still vital, you know. But uh, talking to a lot of young leaders about their the same kind of uh, hunger for the presence of God, not just in their life, but palpably and really and authentically in the lives of the people that they desired to share, to serve. And uh, so I, I developed this, um, well, for lack of a better term, a seminar. I don't even know what to call it, but it's, a, it's just a, an intensive where people that were feeling out the way could get together and we could, we could talk about this and we could study the scriptures and, and see what we could learn about the presence and the power of God. And your pastor heard that I was doing this. And um, so we began a conversation about his own journey and the lovely thing that the Lord is beginning to do here in this congregation. And uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but... Um, I was involved uh, very personally and directly in the leadership transition here at LifeSpring um, when the church in Clarkston fell apart and blew up or whatever you want to say that it did. It was pretty serious. Uh, it, I was asked to go there and become the interim pastor of that church and just kind of pick up the pieces to see what was going on there. My job was to either... Uh, help it survive or close it. That's basically what I was asked to do in Clarkson. So I started going over there, flying over there weekly for uh, a few months. And in that process, things uh, the Lord rescued this church. It was an amazing thing to watch happen. And uh, we became quite close to the, particularly the leadership team at the church and began to pray with them and seek the Lord about... Uh, that they felt that, you know, that we, we were viable enough to, to call a pastor to the church. And so began that, that journey with them of finding a pastor. And so I guess you basically have to blame me that Chad and Yvonne are gone from here right now. I and mean, you're going to have to, because uh, to make a long story short, the 
we connected and it was everything seemed to be right for them and right for here and and so wow well they wound up there and so I have continued to be in a relationship I talked with Chad yesterday we continued to be in a relationship and to encourage him and to help him as they're moving through the paces over there and he asked me today to extend to you on behalf of he and his lovely wife and uh, just again a, a tremendous thank you for everything that you did that made it possible for them to, to be, in fact they said would you just thank them on behalf of everybody here in Clarkston for for what you did and the releasing of them and and of course I remember the conversations that I had with uh, Chad about well if you were to go to Clarkston what's what's going to happen here and he said not a problem the Lord is raising up a young couple that are absolutely, completely right for this. And he was able to convince Dave Beach of that. And so here you have it, you know. And, and uh, so I'm just on this journey with these young leaders. And by the way, if, if you're bored, I'm sorry, I'll get to the sermon here. But I, I don't know you. You don't know me. I hope to talk to you for other times so we might as well get acquainted. Is that all right? Are you okay with that? And this is about as exciting as it's going to get. So, you know, if you're expecting me like to crank it up or something, it probably isn't going to happen today. Okay. So take it easy. Okay. But anyway, but getting to know young leaders and your pastor. And then here we are today to talk about this. And I want to talk to you today about. And so anyway, thank you from Chad. I still don't know how to pronounce his last room, last name, but thanks from them. Okay. And how do you pronounce her name? Yvonne. Yvonne, yes. It looks like Avon. Their name is all messed up, you know. I just basically, it's just not good. Okay, I'll stop talking about that. I want to talk to you about, uh, well, as you can, do they put it on the screen? Yeah. Uh, rethinking spirituality. Now, that sounds pretty heady, doesn't it? But uh, I want to go there in the heart. I, I was talking to you a while ago before I remembered that I needed to put in a word about what had happened here before. That <clears throat> for me, there is nothing in this whole world and in this whole experience that I call my life that even begins to compare with what I'm just simply going to refer to as the presence of God. I love the presence of God. There is nothing in this life that I know that I desire more than the presence of God. There was a time in my life when the whole concept of the presence of God freaked me out. Trying to figure out what it means to have a healthy fear of God was something that was a long journey for me. In fact, for a long time, I had claustrophobia about the presence of God. I didn't particularly want him around that much. I was not comfortable with the way that I was managing my life and having to wrestle with the fact that maybe God was in on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so getting comfortable with the presence of God has been a journey for me. 
You know, the person that shared the scripture, I don't know who you are at communion time. I was, that was a real confirming thing for me because I was sitting over here on the other side of the room and the Lord was talking to me out of Philippians chapter 3 too. So that kind of freaked me out this morning. <laughs> must have something to do with the presence of God. And I was thinking about this journey that we're all on. If you have named Jesus Christ as your Savior, and maybe you've gotten to the place where you call Him Lord too, because they're not one and the same, by the way. But we like to use those two terms almost interchangeably, Lord and Savior. But I'm telling you, there's a quantum leap between Jesus being your Savior and being your Lord. But if you have identified yourself with the person and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross on your behalf, then you are on the same journey that the rest of us are. And it is a life journey. It is a long-distance run. It is not a sprint. We live in a microwave time when we want everything to happen overnight. We want it to happen faster than that. We want to snap our fingers and experience spirituality. We treat spirituality as if it were a beverage. We treat spirituality like it was an experience. Spirituality is the living, palpable presence of God. Something that we can never escape once we have invited the living God into our life. You can't escape the presence of God. But I'm going to tell you something else that we don't get. You can't invite the presence of God. There is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do right that somehow commands God's presence in your life. When you opened your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into your life. And He's there. Can you say amen to that? Paul put it like this. Don't you realize? And sometimes we don't. I mean, I really identify with this very candid observation that he made to the Corinthians. Don't you realize that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you get it? That you are the habitation of God. By virtue of the confession of your faith in Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life. That cannot be said of everyone. Only those who have confessed faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it was the French philosopher Voltaire who said that, in, and he was an atheist, that in every man and woman there is a God-shaped vacuum. God has created every human being with a capacity to accommodate God. What kind of a God would he be if he didn't give us a place for him? This is a big subject and we might get more into it in, a, in this seminar if we ever get to that. Which is not today, that's another time. This whole business of acknowledging the presence of God in our lives. What kind of a God would He be if He didn't make that possible? 
And we hunger for that. Even an atheist like Voltaire would say there is in every man a God-shaped vacuum. And it's amazing the things that we'll try and stuff into that part of our life to try and experience satisfaction and fulfillment at a spiritual level. But finally, we find what exactly fits. And it is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we enter into this amazing relationship with God, this this journey, this adventure. And we're all going to the same place. You say, yeah, we're going to heaven. No, we're going to the foot of the cross. You say, well, that's where the journey begins. In a very real sense, it does, but it's also where it ends. That place where we begin to understand what Paul was puzzled about in Philippians chapter 3. To know Christ in the power of His resurrection and in the fellowship of His suffering. That sounds like, like a... It sounds spiritual, doesn't it? The power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His suffering. It sounds spiritual, but I don't like that word very much. I'm not so sure about that suffering part. The resurrection part sounds great. But what is Paul saying? And he says, I haven't figured it out yet. He's on the journey. This is the Apostle Paul. This is Saint Paul, the dude with a halo. I haven't figured this out yet. And I'm going to stand here today and tell you that I haven't either. And I'm the one that does the seminars. (laughs) I have not figured out how to accommodate And to acknowledge and to live in the power of presence of Jesus Christ consistently and normally, whether I'm having a good day or a bad day. There's been several references made already in this service today. I was starting to get depressed about all the bad days we've had this week. But the point of the matter is that it hasn't been a great week for everybody. But the point of the matter is whether you had a good day or whether you had a bad day, whether you were having a resurrection day or a suffering day. There's Philippians 3. That you knew Christ. What did you know about him? He's there. Did you hear me? He's there. And there's nothing you can do about it. Except acknowledge that. Get used to it. So that's what I meant a while ago when some of you just about fell out of your chairs when I said you can't escape the presence of God, nor can you invite the presence of God. What you can do is be aware of the presence of God. And by the way, that's a full-time job. Because we have what I call temporary insanity. We forget that God is there. Have you ever done that? I do this on a regular basis. And guess what happens when I forget that God is there? I take over. I guess I'm going to have to take care of this. God isn't here. I don't feel him. If God was here, this wouldn't be going down like this. So I guess I just better flex my muscles and take care of this situation. And the Bible says that there's a way that seems right on a gym, but the end thereof is destruction. 
I just have a way of messing it up even more. So learning to acknowledge the presence of God is one of the most important things that you will ever do in your entire life. And with that comes recognizing his voice. Dan, I think one of the most important things that pastor can ever help people do is to help the number one to believe that God is still talking. Do you believe God is still talking? Good. I'm at the right place today. But do you know what he sounds like? Don't answer me. Do you know what he sounds like? Because I guarantee you the way he sounds to you is different than the way he sounds to me. He's saying the same things. And it's confirmed by the same Bible. But God reveals himself and communicates with all of us differently. Because he made us all different. Isn't that cool? Aren't you glad we're different? Wouldn't you hate to be like me? I mean, good grief. Big nose. Man alive. Well, you know, I struggled. I knew what I wanted to talk with you about today, but I also knew that most of you weren't even... Couldn't even imagine why your pastor would have invited me to come and talk to you today. Most of you don't know me. And so I knew what I wanted to talk to you about, but I didn't really know how to get there. So I've just made my best attempt at that for today. So now we're there. Okay? So did you open your Bible about an hour ago? (laughs) All right. So let me see if we can... I think I'm. Huh? Why don't you just change the slide for me? Okay. So I would ask you this question. If you were to refer to an individual as quote unquote spiritual, I've met a lot of people that like to come off spiritual. Now, I don't know how I've come off to you today. But I hope it isn't weird. That's the main thing. You know, I, I, I would like to model authentic spirituality, but not for my glory or for my credit, but just because I happen to be the type of person that thinks that a spiritual person is a normal person. Did you hear me? They're not, it's not abnormal to be spiritual. We sometimes use the term super spiritual. She's super spiritual. But what about the idea that spiritual will just be a normal way of life? That supernatural is natural. Can you say amen to that? So you're not an oddball if you're spiritual. And you don't have to get like a glazed look on your face. You know, you don't have to get this otherworldly kind of a thing going on. But you can just look people in the eye. And you can model a relationship with God that even your skeptical teenagers want at. And there's something consistent about it. It isn't something we just put on when we, quote unquote, go into the presence of God. If you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, there's no such thing as going in and out of the presence of God. Think this through. Going in and out of the presence of God is an Old Testament concept. 
In the progressive revelation of God, there was a time when God came upon people. But we live in a progressive revelation of God time when God is living in people. Did you hear me? Doesn't make them God, but he's living in us. So this idea of going in and out of the presence of God is, a, is out of date. You say, yeah, but I've been taught that. I don't care. It's out of date. And we're living in a, in a, in a dichotomy where we spend a certain amount of our time in the presence of God and we act a certain way during those times. And we spend another period of time when we're out of the presence of God and we have a tendency to act a little bit differently during those times. And that's crazy. This is crazy making. Let me, let me break it down this way. Let's talk about church. Now, if the revelation of the Word of God is correct, the church is not defined by time and place. Now, think about the way you use the word church. Nothing in the Bible would suggest that the church is a time or a place. So there's no such thing as going to church. Come on, stick with me. There's no such thing in the Bible as going to church. The Bible teaches that you are the church. Now, that's different because that means the church never stops. That means you never change. That means that worship becomes a way of life. That giving is not just something that we do with 10% of our income. That smiling at people becomes normal. That treating people like brothers and sisters becomes neighborly. And it's not just confined to the four walls and the two hours of a religious experience. And when you get that church out of the box, when you get that salt out of the shaker, you've got something going on. But we have a tendency to confine the Spirit of God. We have appointments with Him. Now, there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Holding church services, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm a professional church attender. I, know. I get paid to go to church for Pete's sake. I mean, how about that? I'm at, the top of the, I'm at the top of the food chain, man. I got paid to come here today. Amen. You, you didn't. So, ha, ha, ha. So, I'm all for people getting together. And, but that's another seminar. Okay? Right now we're talking about contending for the presence of God. And all I want to begin by saying is you never leave the presence of God. And so we come to this whole idea of what it means to be spiritual. To be spiritual, it really means, the term literally means the, a quest for the sacred. A spiritual person is a person who's on a quest for the sacred. Now, what that would mean to you and what that would mean to me, again, could perhaps be different. But it's seeking something that we desire more of. 
And sacred would be a word to describe the presence of God. So if I'm living in a sense of the presence of God, it is going to have a transforming, practical, normal effect upon the way that I'm managing and living my life. It's not something I put on and take off. So, just go ahead and advance the, there. So look at, look at this verse of Scripture that you turned to an hour ago. I'm, I'm almost done here. I'll just kind of end with my text, I guess. I don't know. John 16, beginning verse 7. But Jesus is uh, dropping a bomb on the disciples here. He's telling them that he's leaving now. And they're, they're concerned, as we all would have been. And he introduces in John chapter 16 to the, to the apostles the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus coined a term. He was the first one to use this term to describe the third person of the Godhead. And he called him the paraclete. The one who has been called alongside to help us. And throughout this entire passage of Scripture, the Greek word being used in the text is paraclete. I'm, I'm calling the third part of the Godhead into this process now. And things are actually going to be better than you could possibly imagine because of this. So, familiar passage of Scripture but very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus talking, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, now this is Holy Spirit 101 here. How many of you believe that Jesus was the greatest Hebrew prophet who ever lived? Huh? You ever think of him that way? He was, yes, he's the son of God, but he's the greatest Hebrew prophet who ever lived. He kicks the slats out of Elijah, Isaiah, all of them, I mean. And Jesus is remarkably accurate in his prophecies. We ought to pay more attention to them. And Jesus basically prophesied about two things. Number one, the paraclete. And number two, his return. So pay attention to what he had to say about the Holy Spirit. It's all come true. And then read a few of the scriptures about his return and start paying more attention to those. But that's another seminar. And so here's Holy Spirit 101. When he comes, he will, number one, prove the world to be in the wrong about sin. Number two, prove the world to be in the wrong about righteousness. And number three, prove the world to be wrong about judgment. Notice those three words, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Because people, uh, let's see, about sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is a sermon. I'm making an observation about it. And here's the observation. What Jesus just said is the Holy Spirit has been given to teach us what is right. 
what is wrong and who wins. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We have trivialized the ministry of the Holy Spirit by just characterizing it as the operation of certain gifts of the Holy Spirit or the type of a style we use in our worship services. The Spirit-filled life is about people who, have, who understand by virtue of the revelation of God through the Holy Spirit what pleases God, what doesn't please God, and the victory, the completed work of the cross of Jesus Christ on, the, on our behalf so that we don't have to live in fear or defeat. Like I said, that's just an observation of a whole message. But we must be careful to give the Holy Spirit full reign in our lives. And this is something we'll talk about when we do the seminar, the spiritual anatomy. The Bible says that, as I said earlier, that we've been given the capacity to accommodate God. And we are at the core of our being spirit. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. Did you know that? To be created in the image of God means that God has given you a spirit so that you can accommodate a relationship with God who is a spirit. That's what makes you different than your dog and your cat. I'm sorry, but your dog and your cat don't have a spirit. They don't have a relationship with God. I've got a wonderful dog. I love my dog. I would like my dog to go to heaven. But my dog doesn't have a spirit. Every once in a while, when I think he has a spirit, he reminds me he's a dog. And does something very dog-like. Problem is that we do things very dog-like sometimes too. But notice that John seven thirty-eight out of Jesus prophesied about the Holy Spirit. He said that out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. The fullness of the Holy Spirit comes out of you because the Holy Spirit is already there if you've received Jesus. So in our seminar, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit is released, not how we beg Him to come in. When you invited Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, do you believe the Holy Spirit came to live in you? That's what Revelation 3 says happened. Do you believe that? Do you live like that? Do you act like that? Do you acknowledge that, that the Holy Spirit is residing in you? Well, then why would the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the fullness of the Holy Spirit mean another coming? Does it mean that Jesus came into your life and then at some point he left and now you have to ask him back again? So we spend our whole life pleading for the fullness of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's fullness is in us but just needs to be released by faith. Wow. Sign me up. I skipped this stuff here. So here are the elements of spirituality. Number one, my awareness of God's presence. Number two, my ability to recognize and respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Can I have the next one? Number three, my ability to sense and respond to the needs of people around me. And number four, my ability to comfortably verbalize my faith. That's spirituality. 
So forget the goofy stuff. Forget the ethereal stuff. Forget the churchy stuff. And get down to the basic elements of what it means to be spiritual. Let's just review those one more time. An inner sense, my awareness of God's presence, that's what I've talked about today. Number two, my ability to recognize and respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Come to recognize with the help of the Holy Spirit what God sounds like in your heart and respond to Him. Number three, my ability to sense and respond to the needs around me. The Holy Spirit is a need meter. And He is empowering us to be need meters. A Spirit-filled Christian is a person who is open for business every day of their life. And that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are about. That's why the Bible says covet the best gifts. What would be the best gift? The best gift would be what you need. <laughs> I'm available through the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are available through me. So this lady has a need. This dear pastor's wife must have a lot of them living with him, you know. <laughs> so my prayer is, Lord, whatever she needs. If I can have anything to do with you imparting that to her, that was the best. And by the way, if I prayed for her, maybe she needed a healing. Let's say you needed a healing. I'll pick on you. And you said, Pastor Jim, would you pray for me? And let's say that I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you. And, and God, by his grace, healed you. Well, I can't spend the rest of my life saying I have a healing ministry now. It's not like I have the gift of healing. Let's get a tent. What it means is that the Lord gave you a gift of healing. You got healed. I had the opportunity to be used by the Lord. There's no boast in the grace of God. There's no boast in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't go around telling people what gifts you have. You just are open for business. And if, I, if the Lord's using me in this gift or that gift, whether it's positional or whether it's practical, so be it. I don't have to broadcast that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's normal. And a healing should be just as normal in your child's nursery as on this platform. Nothing should happen different up there that's happening at your house. We don't need somebody playing an organ to experience the presence of God. Because if you do, then you better get somebody, get a monkey or something to go around with you all the time playing an organ so you can be spiritual. So we need to be need meters. And then finally, and I'm done, my ability to comfortably verbalize my faith. And that's another seminar too. Because a person, Jesus said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will what? Be my witnesses. 
wow, I used up all my time. Can I come back sometime? God bless you, Pastor. Just so you know, for second service, you could go another 10, 15 minutes. Uh, Two things. Uh, I think the Lord's speaking this morning. One, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't confessed Him as your Lord and Savior, um, He would love for that to happen this morning because He'd love to give you um, His Holy Spirit. Number one. So if that's you, if you'd like to confess the Lord as your, or Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Anyone here want, want that? All right. Number two is... I love messages like this because it, it, um, you don't get off the hook. Because without a message like this, you can kind of just go to church on Sunday morning and check off the box and say, I'm good for the next week until I come again. But a message like that says, actually, when you leave here, you're still a Christian. When you leave here, all the things that were true of now are true of when you're in the car with your kids and your spouse. And they're true when you go to work Monday morning and you have that headache and you're a little tired. All those things are still true. Um, I love that. And I think um, the reality is some of us maybe haven't been walking uh, with our eyes open to who God is, to his presence, to his spirit. And if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you. And so would you bow your heads with me? And I'm going to pray, Lord, that you would right now speak to us again. Because Jim was talking about forgetting you, Lord. But there are those in this room now, Lord, that if we are honest with ourselves, it's been a while since we remembered you. Even our communion time felt a little unsettled in our spirits because it brought back to realization that it's been a while since we've met with you, Lord, and and been open to who you are and, and what you are in our lives. And so if that's you this morning, I'm not even going to tell you to raise your hand or anything. I'm just going to ask you to open up, just to open up, to receive once again. That we'd have those eyes of faith. That we'd get fixated on Jesus once again. sense that um, many of you who have been faithful followers for even decades, you're waiting for that next experience with God, that next moment in his presence, when there's a good chance, I, I think you could see God telling you this morning that he's available now. You don't have to wait until the next meeting or the next tent meeting or whatever it is, that right now. Even now, in this place, you are here, God. With, with all that you are, all of your characteristics, you are here, God. With the gifts that you'd want to give us, you are here right now. So we open up to you, God. Maybe for you, maybe that's just kind of putting your hand out in a posture of receiving. 
Maybe there's a dream that you have of what God is going to do and when he's going to do it. And as good as that sounds, you might need to surrender that dream this morning and say, God, I just want to be into your dreams. (laughs) I want what you want. Instead of me telling you how you need to move and, and how you need to do it, that I would actually surrender once again, open up my heart, open up my hands, and say, God, your dreams, your vision, your plans, your move, I'm just available. If that's you this morning, just receive, receive this morning. for Christ. You will leave this place full of His presence. Equipped. Not lacking, but equipped to do what He has called you to do. With eyes of faith. With His strength. Spirit, as we walk in your presence, how could we not have a room full of testimonies next week of you and what you're doing in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our schools, in this church? So I pray for that, Lord, that I have an expectation to hear of men and women walking by the power of God in their lives, men and women standing strong bold and courageous in you, Lord, trusting that you are going to give them the words to speak and the things to do, that you will not leave them hanging. When you see a willing heart, you do not waste it. And I thank you for that, God. Empower us, Lord. I'm so excited for tomorrow. I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited when we walk out of these doors that your spirit is on the move, and it's on the move through each one of us. You are so good to us, God. We are humbled by you, God, that you are here in our midst. It is so good. So good. There's joy in this place. Hallelujah. Amen.